Welcome again to the Global Migration Podcast Season 2. Thank you so much to UBC's Center for Migration Studies for their support and for making this podcast possible. Today is episode 7, Stories of a New Identity. My guest today is Nuria Sefkovich from Mexico. She will share her experience of being a mature international student in Canada. And what does it mean to be in a role where the system looks at you solely on one aspect of your personality, which is your immigration status? Today, I am hosting Nuria Sefkovich. She comes from Mexico, and she will be speaking about her experiences as an international student. This episode will talk about the system, and with the help of Nuria, we'll help hear from her how she navigated the system to determine her identity based on the sole concept of social construction of immigration. Welcome to the show, Nuria. Thank you. Thank you for your time and for like such a beautiful introduction. I appreciate that. For sure. First, I would ask you to share with us an example of your written work to introduce yourself. How is it like to be looked at only as a student who is here to pay their tuition and uh, complete their course load? And that's the only thing that mattered all your character, all your identity, all your uh, history. Tell me more about it. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm really moved just by, by listening to you saying that introduction because it's like having a deja vu and going back to that moment when I said, okay, let's, let's move forward to Canada. Uh, and I chose this, this abstract, which was really difficult to choose one uh, because it's my story, right? So I'm going to start reading this, this abstract. How much I would love to live in Canada, I used to say when I was 20. It was a dream, a wish. I just had a God feeling about it. Over the next 16 years, I pushed back that dream. My job was great, and my marriage made my expectations. However, due to unsafe circumstances in my country, my daughters lived in a birdcage. My environment became a narco territory where anyone could be kidnapped or assaulted. I was living in a nonsensical world. Eventually, I made my way to Vancouver. The city mesmerized me. Everything worked. The buses were on time. Each neighborhood had character. The smells of Chinatown, the silence of Little India on Main Street. Visiting the mountains and the beach in one day. So much space, raccoons, skunks, and coyotes. The printed monthly transit pass that each English student took care of, as if it were a treasure, I fell in love. How, I asked, do I stay in Canada? I found an agency which provided help to newcomers to get your dream life. Visiting the agent, I learned the easiest steps to live in Canada, where to first go back to college, and second, apply for permanent residency once I finished. But the journey wouldn't be easy. On the day I failed yet another English test, I was devastated, exhausted. I was frustrated and crying in my tiny room while it rained and rained. My girlfriend called and I was not able to say a full sentence. My words were stuck in my throat. I vaguely said, I failed. Then 
She asked how I was feeling. I feel like I am in the ground, I replied. Then she asked, well, where do you want to be right now? When she asked that, it felt as if she gave me permission to rest on the floor, I said. So, do it. I will be here, she assured me. International students and international mature students are people in between, visible to pay the tuition fee, but invisible to get sufficient support. Private counseling is not affordable, therefore not accessible for most students. This new country was my choice, but there is a rite of passage, similar to a new way of colonialism, the social construction of foreign students, the exclusion inherent in the college ghettos, Koreans with Koreans, Indians with Indians. You never know who else may speak your language. All of this shapes your reality and identity. I don't know if what I experienced was misogyny or xenophobia, but it made me stronger. Thank you so much for your words. I appreciate you sharing with us today the beautiful writing that you have come to put to paper during this project. And uh, today on the show, we are having you to tell us more about your journey. And you came here using your own words to quote you uh, because your hometown became an narco territory. Anybody could be kidnapped or assaulted. And your story helps me understand that the people who are fleeing danger are not necessarily only the refugees that are coming from a war-torn country. I happen to be one myself. I lost my previous um, life to war in a, in a popular uprising that was cracked down by a dictatorship, a bloody dictatorship. But here in Canada, I am meeting people like you who are also in a de facto refugee state. You are fleeing danger to rescue yourself. Can you tell us more? What is it like? What do you mean by narco territory? And why couldn't you stay there anymore? Uh, again, I think it helps us understand the bigger picture of what does it mean to be a newcomer here and all the different reasons that lead people to immigrate into Canada. That's an incredible question, uh, Mohammed. Because at that time, I, you know, I, I feel like it's a, it's a human default trying to survive. It's a human default. You, you know, like you, you, you have this impulse of life. It's natural on us. It's organic. And while I was working in Mexico, there is a, there is a point where you, you develop a specific skill, right? The survival skill. So you are in, on that move, like you tend to normalize things. So I normalized that I, I, I went to work, I went back home, I fed my kids, I spent time, like a little bit of time to chat with my husband at that time. And, and the next day was the same day. And the skill that I developed was this skill of looking around me 24-7 to see who else was there because this awful news got closer to me. I started listening from friends of mine, like my cousin was kidnapped, my friend was assaulted. They're asking me for money. We don't have the money. And at that moment, I was like, this is not the country where I grew up. And this is not the future that I want to make girls. And I didn't hesitate on that. Like, it's about my daughter's future. 
and on that there is no limit. So of course, Canada was was my dream 20 years ago. Why? I don't know. I'm 43 now. And at that time I was 20 plus and it was a dream. It was a fantasy. Why? I don't know. But there was a point where I was 37 and a combination of factors happened. At that time, I didn't understand, but it was like, okay, it's my dream and my daughter's future. So everything came together and I just moved forward. And that's how I came. So in your mind, Canada was the dream destination. Yeah. It is the place where you could put this violence behind you. Yeah. And there is a promise for a future for your daughters. Yeah. You came to Canada and you ask one question, how can I move here? And you are told one of the easy ways is to be an international student and then try to get the residency. That kind of makes sense when you heard it, but you heard the concept, you heard the abstract, and the implementation is a completely different story because you walked into a situation where there is roles and situations and you found yourself in one where your title is a student, your role is to attempt courses, pay tuition, move to the next semester, like a machine. That's the only thing that matters here. How was it like? How was it like from the inside being put in that role in life? And why was it a critical uh, point in your story? Please help us understand in your words, what is the story of thousands of international students that come to Canada here that are also maybe thinking that Canada can promise them some future here? Well, there were many, many breakdowns. It's, it's the system, you know, it's in the system. I, I, there are so many missing links in the system because you were right. Like I got this promise where it was just do it yourself. It's really easy. It's straightforward. You just pay and, and land there and find a college and just go for it. Sounds like, yeah, I can do that, right? So consider that what I am saying that is in the system and there there is a missing link in the system. I meant that imagine that I I contacted an agent in in my country. That agent got a commission or something like that from the college, right, in Canada. And then there was an English school that was, of course, related with that dynamic to put me in the level of English that it was required for the college. But they are not really connected. You are just a tuition fee. And when I came, my first, I would say my first approach to reality was living in a homestay. Because they're like, of course, there is a cultural shock. Of course, you feel like your English is not good enough. And that thought of I'm not good enough, it's going to be around you constantly. And the system has different ways to remind you that you are not good enough. And I don't want to diminish nobody's suffering because we all are humans and experience sadness and misery in different ways, unfortunately. But I got the experience of if you are an international student and an international mature student and you can afford this tuition fee, you don't have the right to complain because you haven't suffered. And that statement, that bold statement can seriously shape your present moment. What do you mean that I am not suffering? Like when I am trying to find a part-time job while I am studying, while I am trying to support my kids to settle down, 
when I am trying to deal with the school district to know what is, what is the way to navigate there to support my girls, how can I get the medical service, where I have to pay here, where I have to pay there. The college is not supporting you. And apparently are simple things, Mohammed. Like, come on, you're talking about that. You don't know what is hungry. You don't know. Mm, I don't know that. Because the, the system is pushing you and pushing you. And when those tiny things are happening in your daily life, there is a point where you you don't know. It's, it's funny because the outcome of you are not good enough is that you are nobody. So when you go and ask for a service, or you are nobody because you are in this privileged position of being an international student. So go and there is a Friday pizza for international students. But again, where is the space for me as a mature student? Where is the space for me where my, my needs are different? And I found support from many of my professors, but not all of them were as accountable as I needed it. So it was a rabbit hole, right? Well, while my daughters were trying to support me, and I have to say at that time, my daughter's English was way better than mine. So you are not only dealing with the system, but also you are trying to get the support from your kids. And that's a lot. As a family, it's a lot. Like, I remember, like, dinner time, my eldest daughter helping me with my essays. Well, I was trying to navigate the system to see if I could enroll one of them, like, in the waiting list to put them in school. All of that happens in, in, in one day. So as, as a newcomer, your life changes every single second. And someone who is already here and is not doing their job impacts your life tremendously. Thank you so much for describing how messy it can be to be a student in Canada. And hearing you, I'm just um, realizing a lot of things about the intake process, the way it's designed, the way it's put together. There is a lot of focus on money, on payments, on tuitions, but in exchange, the value you are getting back as an international student is not enough. You are getting the education at an overpriced rate, yet there are no programs to support you whatsoever because at the end of the day, you are an international student. You're not from here. You're just studying here. This is the way that you are in the eyes of the system, whereas the reality tells us that, no, this whole intake process and then a uh, whole situation imposed on international students is not fair as opposed to people who come here as immigrants, skilled workers, for example, who become permanent residents right away and find established programs to support them and facilitate their journey here. And I know there is a lot of criticism toward these programs, but at least they exist. You know, they are there because talking about the system, there is a process that facilitates people moving here. But for international students, there is only that promise that you could be eligible for residency, but that's not right now. And that's a conversation for later. And as you shared with us, you're not even allowed to have feelings. And that is not fair. And I am so happy that today on this platform, on our show, you are raising this 
very important concern that should be, you know, heard by many. And it's not fair that our country treats international students this way. Back to you and to your first few semesters here. Let's talk about on the bright side. What are the things that were helpful? And maybe give us, as people who are interested in helping international students, what are the things that we can do to, to help you know, fill this gap? The system is not doing anything, but what about us? What can we do? From examples from your own story, what are the helpful things? What can we do to help international students? I think this is the perfect moment to start doing research about the dynamic around international students in one hand and international mature students on the other hand. And I really want to make this distinction because international students could be like a, a target that is specifically come just to get a degree and then they want to go back home. Whereas international mature students are more likely to stay and that's the main goal. It's, of course, getting the Canadian education as a ticket of entrance, right, to start building up their life here. The rules are clear. Like, if you go, go to the Canadian website and, and to see the immigration process, everything is really clear. So that's, of course, that's, that's amazing. It's not that you, that you don't know what is going to happen uh, or that you don't know where to find the information. So first of all, the research around our circumstance is important and necessary. And I am glad to be part of this project because there is a group of professors and there is a university interested in us saying like, hey, let's fix the, the system because the system is not perfect. We're people. We're not perfect, right? And so that's important. That's, that's, I think, it's, that's the bottom line. Let's start talking about international students and their reality. Secondly, I think, is to review how to connect the government agencies on each country, colleges and universities, and English schools. Way more than, let's provide my services, provide education or my services that an international student will get proficiency speaking the language. Like, let's go further on that. And of course, the other part that I think it's really important to put in on this value chain is the workforce. Because as I said, yes, you go to the Canadian website and all the information is there and it's crystal clear. But when you try to get a job, that's another story. And when you go to the immigration fairs, I have to say, those are not really fair at all because it doesn't matter your credentials. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't even matter that you got Canadian education. We're nobody. And the jobs that are, and don't get me wrong, like I think every job dignify human beings, right? While we are serving, like that's, there's nothing better than that. But you have to consider that in order to go further and to get your permanent residency, you have to get a specific category of job. You cannot get any job. And that's when it gets tricky. And that's the moment where we need someone not only to support us, but who show us the way. And that's an extra service that universities and colleges can provide. Like, I'm not saying, you know, now I can say this five years later. I can say, nobody invited me to come, Mohammed. It was my choice. And it, that choice had an impact. And right, like, I have to be responsible for that choice. I don't want things for free. 
Like, let's work from those things, but give me the chance. Thank you so much for raising these amazing points. And I second your words. And from this platform, I call on our scholars to initiate meaningful research with the distinction between international students and mature international students, as you rightfully pointed out. And I also call on the government to create an ecosystem that brings all the shareholders together bringing everybody to the same speed for everyone to be on the same page so we can benefit the student who is in the middle of all this action. And speaking about that, one thing that struck me from your story is uh, details about the day-to-day college life. What is it like on campus? Tell us all these cultural clashes and interactions that happen on such an interesting place, an international student's college campus. It's loneliness. Um, you know, I, uh, I I talk a little bit uh, on, on, on the chapter of the book about my um, my emotions and, and how I was dealing with all of this loneliness, but not not as much as, as I wanted because the focus was at my experience as an international student. But I deal with a really heavy depression on top of that. And you're offering me an international coffee Friday? I don't want that. I don't want that. And I have to say, I didn't know at that time that I was dealing with depression. Why I was dealing with depression? Because I was isolated. You know, I, I, I remember that my only moment to escape from, from, from that reality was going to the gym at the college and taking some classes. And I remember that some employees, it was a benefit, so employees and students took classes together and the employees didn't talk to students. They didn't approach to them as if we were like a different kind of, I don't know, humans, or I don't know, it was, it was really particular. And then, as I said, like Indians with Indians, Mexicans with Mexicans, nobody like really got along. And on top of that, I was a mature student and I was on my 37. And I was thinking about dinner plus my human geography essay, plus money, plus the tuition fees, plus the college making mistakes with my fine, because that happened. They lost my papers twice. And then you have to get your transcript again, from your country and translate it and validate it and submit it again. And in the meantime, you cannot enroll again your classes for the next term, but you have to pay. And all of that is happening. So how was my experience? I have to say the knowledge I got from the college was exceptional. I had spectacular professors who opened my eyes to understand what diversity, inclusion, exclusion mean in reality. My education was impeccable. The human interaction, know that much. So I experienced isolation. I experienced loneliness. I experienced depression. I experienced, I don't belong. I don't belong. And then I wanted to volunteer in a specific nonprofit. Mm, But you know what? Like, you don't have like really the experience to to work on this specific field. And so you don't belong. You go, you want to volunteer, you don't belong. You want to find people like you 
in, 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 in your classroom and no, because not because they didn't want to, but because they were experiencing the same isolation I was experiencing. So if everybody's feeling like if I attend these free pizza on Friday with other international students, well, we need someone to put us together to say, let's talk, let's listen, let's find a solution together. So it was just, as I said, right? It was just the beginning of my depression. And that's scary. That's the impact. And that's where I say the system cannot see that because we are in between. We're, and when you want to get a job as international student, or I, I would say as a newcomer, and you go and, and to these places where you say, oh, I, I see that you can help me to build up my, my CV based on the Canadian standard. And they say, no, because you're not a permanent resident. And it's like, well, and then you go back to college and you go to these student services to help you. And you see that there is something missing. There is something missing. And everything is put on hold. Something is missing and everything is put on hold until you stop being a student. Like as long as you are a student, there is a problem. And thank you so much for helping us get in an inside look of how complicated that can be for any student. So let alone somebody who's a mature international student. We thank you so much for that. Moving on, we'd like to talk about the right now for you and your hopes and aspirations for the future. Oof, well, you know, I would say I have lots of, of hopes and dreams and I, I remarried. I have an incredible husband, supportive one. I, I have now a family of six. We're six right now. And I, I'm done with all my studies. It, was, it wasn't a great experience, but it's time to put things in practice. So I've been working. I started a business. I've been participating as a speaker. I've been writing books, as, 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 as you know. And, well, there, there is something that I am still, let's say, cooking, uh, because I have to do something else with this, right? I have to do something else to use my experience to help other uh, newcomers who, who, who choose this, this path, because I, I want to make Canada bigger. And I want that people come here and work hard and contribute uh, but also I wanted that he, that those people get contributed and get contribution back. And, and I think it's fair. That's the world that we all aspire to live in. But that's that's going to happen pretty soon. I'm just still like trying to figure it out how exactly to connect the system. And, and let me say this. I really think this is the system where we live. And I am thankful because there are lots of things to do. And as I said, we need more research and we need that colleges and universities get present to, I think they know how important international students are financially for, you know, as a business, this is a business and it's an important business, right? We're paying for education. It's, it's a, a really great quality of education, but it's important to consider that part of the business is providing to your clients satisfaction. And if I get a good service, I'm going to be the first person who's going to recommend that college, that university, 
not only for the quality of their education, but for the human interaction then they, that they are triggering for, the, for, for newcomers to thrive. That's one of my hopes, and, and that's where I think we all should be working together. Amazing, and thank you so much. At the end of your written piece, you said that everything and all of this has shaped your reality and has shaped your identity. You said that you couldn't know, you couldn't tell if what your experience is misogyny, xenophobia, you couldn't tell what it was, and you're not sure about that, but you are sure that it made you stronger. And I want to echo this message. And I hope everybody who hears me today realizes that there is a teacher inside of every difficult thing in life. And your story helps us to hear this message again. You don't know what this was exactly. Maybe it's, it's all of that. Maybe it's all of that. But the lesson that you got out of is strength and resilience and keeping on going on. In your closing words, can you share with us more about this and how maybe people who, who are dealing with hard stuff right now can find some peace in your words? Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for that, for, for your kindness, Mohammed. And I have to say that, I mean, sometimes I don't feel that I have the authority, uh, you know, to give advices, but from, from my deepest heart, from talking about like coming, overcoming depression while dealing with all of these intersectionalities that shape my, my identity, the only thing that comes to mind is embrace who you are embrace your background, embrace your language, embrace your culture, embrace your faith, because that's the only things that you have when those moments of darkness are there. Those are your allies. And you are not what you have on your suitcase. You are your skin, you are your color, you are that multiculturalism that is who you are. And don't be ashamed of that. Don't be ashamed because you have accent. Don't be ashamed because there are words that you don't know how to pronounce. Don't be ashamed of that. There's nothing to be ashamed of. There's actually, it's on the other way around. Embrace it because you're coming here to contribute, to make this country bigger. And there is a moment of clarity. There are many moments of clarity and it's important to listen to those moments. And, you know, I got my invitation to apply for my, to my pregnancy residency back in February. And when I got that email that says, gladly, we invite you to apply and under the express entry, I cannot even, I was paralyzed. I'm not joking. I was paralyzed and my daughters were jumping and now I want to cry again but it, my life my all of the last five years came in five seconds and it was at the end of the day someone saw me and the first person oh who accepted my application to be a volunteer the first person who said I'm going to give you a job interview when I, I had the honor to 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 work as a support worker that was my first job in Canada and it was phenomenal because I had the opportunity of serving to someone else from mopping, mopping the floor to give a hug and now when I remember that it's like all of that made me a bigger person and it's not gonna be easy 
but you're gonna make it. Congratulations. Thank and you. And welcome to Canada. And hopefully you will get your permit residency status soon. And I hope this puts an end to a difficult chapter of your life and hopefully open a new, more easy, hopefully, one for you and one that is for sure more beautiful for your kids and for your family. Thank you. On behalf of all of our listeners, welcome to Canada. And thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you so much for for your kindness and let's let's build together. Let's all be together. This is Mohamed Saleh, and you have been listening to the Global Migration Podcast Season 2. Thank you so much to UBC's Center for Migration Studies for their support and for making this podcast possible. Thanks again to my guest, Nuria, and thank you to all the listeners. This episode was recorded via Zoom on the unceded territories of the Coast Salish Cable, including the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. And finally, if you'd like to contribute to the GoFundMe campaign behind the book project, you can find it in the episode description.